Hi friends, let's take a mindful moment together. Ever feel like you're overreacting? Maybe a few minutes after you snapped on someone you think, hmm, maybe that wasn't the nicest way to deal with that. I have a three second rule. Every time I feel triggered or a certain burst of irritability, I take three seconds before reacting. One, two, three. Those three seconds will empower you to make a clear-headed decision. Implement my three-second rule. Use it whenever you'd like. Use it when someone cuts you off in traffic. Use it when the person in front of you is walking too slow. Use it anytime, at anywhere. If you implement the three-second rule, let me know how it goes at therapyhourpodcast at gmail.com. Today, we have a fun episode with my friend Alexis. I met Alexis when she started working at Zany's Comedy Club. We worked together on the floor as servers, and when I became a night manager, she became my Monday night server. She kicks butt on the floor. She's funny. She's open. I'm so grateful to have her on today's podcast. This is Therapy Hour Podcast. Welcome to episode two. So I thought it would be fun to bring you on this podcast. I'm the perfect candidate. You are the perfect candidate. Um, so we talk a lot about dating. Are you dating during COVID? Um, I'm attempting, but I am a born again virgin, so not really. What does that mean? That doesn't doesn't make sense. Yes, it does. If you really think about it, it does. But, um, I'm not. Wait, what's a born again virgin? I have gone, I'm such a dry spell right now that I'm basically virgin Mary again. (laughs) I'm holy again, which is a lot. Um, but no, I'm, I'm kind of dating her during COVID. It's not, um, it's not going successfully for me. We'll are you on that. the apps? I am on Hinge right now. My roommate and I are ready to delete the app so we can conduct a little social experiment on it, Ooh. which will be fun, um, because we look similar and we think that anybody that would be moderately attracted to me or find me moderately attractive will also find her moderately attractive but our personalities are so vastly different that we're like can somebody actually be into both of us you know so what's the social experiment we're gonna do that we're gonna see like you're gonna just switch date the same guy no 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 we're gonna make our profiles like as similar as possible but still like like showing our personalities and see if like if somebody like will like us both would they be able to hold a conversation with both of us because we're so different guys don't read the bios exactly so this could be a very failed experiment, but you know what? It's going to give us uh, entertainment for like a week. Yeah. Steven, you're telling us that you don't read the bios? No, I'm saying all men don't read the bios. All men don't read the bios. Yeah. That's why I don't even put on a bio. Yeah, and you probably still get matches. I do get a lot of matches. Yeah. So, there you go. Well, That's my own experiment. I'm still lonely, so. <laughs> so you've been dating, but what, what does, you're not hooking up. Mm, not really, yeah. But you're dating? I... Have, okay, so I was talking to one guy in the beginning of quarantine, and I really liked him. I, I still kind of have a crush on him, but I don't see it going anywhere, which is kind of a bummer because, like, I haven't liked somebody in a long time. The last person that I actually, like, really liked kind of destroyed me. So, yeah, I've been, like, trying to date, but I haven't really felt any good connections with people, so it's more so, like, super casual, just, like, company-occupying time. Yeah, occupying time. What does casual mean to you? Because for me, cas- like I'm casually dating someone, but we're like exclusive and basically in a relationship. But, mm. Yeah. But he doesn't want to <laughs> so, be in a relationship. So what's casual dating to casual you? Casual dating to me is like dating at face value. Like I'm going out with dates with these people. Um, I'm, you know, chatting with them during the day, maybe sleeping over. But 
it's casual in the sense that I don't feel like it's going anywhere after like a month or so and I don't I feel as though I'm allowed to see other people talk to other people because there's no exclusivity or no conversation of exclusivity huh. and um, I don't think it like to, I don't think it warrants like a real like breakup conversation or anything like that because it's not really anything you just stop responding um no I don't like ghosting people because I think it's like kind of rude but I don't think it needs to be like a whole like we need to have a talk yeah. kind of thing how do you break up with people Stephen? oh it's brutal yeah I can imagine yeah it's like slowly ripping off a band-aid I wouldn't even want to it's not even yet don't even ask so how's dating and COVID different than dating before? Mm, I didn't really... No, that's why I did date before. I think with dating and COVID, I'm a little bit more selective because I'm cautious of, like, COVID. Everything. Yeah. And obviously there's no, like, real bars and stuff. And that was kind of... I was really comfortable and good at talking to strangers so like I could go to a bar with my friends and I'd be we'd be sitting there and whoever's sitting next to me like I could chat up I can get their phone number it was not hard for me but this is harder because you have to like basically at least in my experience create a virtual connection before risking it to see um, if there's like real chemistry I don't you know what I mean yeah how long do you talk to them before you meet up with them? Um, I've only met up, I think, with two people. Um, and it was, like, a few weeks. Well, one of them was, like, a few weeks because it was in the beginning of COVID when it was even, like, scarier. I mean, it, it's honestly probably scarier now, but when everybody was more scared and more yeah. cautious. And then the one that I have met up with recently, it was probably only, like, a week. Okay. I think that's pretty normal. Yeah. How long do you go before meeting someone? Um, I guess about that long, but I get bored, so I try to meet up as quickly as possible. I Same. also get bored, yeah. I also get bored, and I need to meet them immediately. I immediately. Just need, like, immediate attention, so. Immediate attention. Where does that come from, this need for attention? I have no idea. Um, if you could tell me in a psych degree, that would <laughs> yeah, be great. Yeah, expert. Where does it come tell from? me more. Tell me more. Let's figure it out. I just like attention. I think it's like partially validation that I want. Yeah. But I I'm a conversationalist, so I constantly want like something stimulating in that sense, um, which is part of the attention. But also like I know that if it's not like emotionally stimulating or like intellectually stimulating, I just don't really care, and I will just take the attention for because I'm bored. So you want someone to talk to you, be interesting, and look at you, exactly. give you attention, but also, but also I don't you. want it to be serious. You also want it casual. Exactly. But also, you want him to really care about you. Right. Yeah. How is this not going well? I don't know. I do not understand the flaws in this. From what I know about attention, it comes from a lot of attachment issues. Oh yeah, for sure, one hundred percent. Yeah. Um, have you always wanted attention? That's and a good I mean, question. and I, I mean, really know, like as a kid and stuff too. And overall, in your life, not just in, not just by men or romantic relationships. 
but like from your family, from your friends? I will um, go back to like the middle child syndrome and yeah. think that I do always want attention. Oh, you're a middle child too. I'm a middle child. Is that a real thing, Zara? Yes. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, they talk about birth order all the time. They they talk Who's about they? like experts and like experts psychologists. And okay. Psychologists talking about birth orders. And stuff getting thrown around. Right. I feel like sometimes Zara doesn't know what she's talking about. I do know what I'm talking about. I just don't ever. I just didn't study well in school, so like <laughs> so I she's know. Perfect toast for this podcast. I know things. Okay. And I can like relate to you, right? So you tell me things, and I can be like, oh, maybe it's your attachment issues. Yeah. Right. But I can't tell you what psychologist. I'm going to look it up. If I had Google in front of me, I'd try. Yeah. Right. Um, but, yeah, there, the birth order is definitely a thing. So you're, you're a middle child who wants attention. Yes. Um, does a primary, do you primarily want attention from men, or do you want attention from everyone? I think primarily from men. Yeah. So how does that really affect the idea of, like, casual dating? Um, I will speak to multiple people and like pre-covid go on dates with multiple people in the same time frame or pre-virgin like (laughs) people again yeah that doesn't make any sense so i just want to clarify is it a religious thing no okay it's just a you thing born from your womb yes okay that's exactly what it is um yeah may i ask how long your dry spell has been I'm Way curious. Um, I think since January. Ooh. It's rough. Ooh, it's September. That's why, I'm a ja- that's why I'm saying I'm a virgin again. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I get it. I understand now. Yeah. So to all of our listeners, you're also virgins, <laughs> if that sounds familiar. <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> I think it was, do you want to do the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> no, the question that I had was, do you feel like you, you want attention from everyone or just... just romantic partners mm, i think primarily romantic partners and how yeah, does that the affect option here we, well are, just like in general like, like i don't think i need to be like the center of attention with my friends mm. um i don't think i need to be the center of attention or i've gotten so used to not being the center of attention with my family that it doesn't really matter like i make jabs at them sometimes about how little attention they give to me but like it truly doesn't even affect me anymore because I'm so used to it, you know? You're one out of three? Yeah. Okay. So right in the middle. One out of three what? Oh, kids. Siblings, oh, yeah. Okay. Middle? Middle. Me too. Well, you're the oldest though, Zara. I'm the oldest. Yeah, and you on all the attention. So I don't get all the attention. Crave it. I don't, I don't think I crave attention. Demand it. I do demand it. I do demand it. I will occasionally demand it. If I'm with people that I'm comfortable enough, like friends or like certain groups of friends, usually my male friends, I'll just be like, give me attention. Yeah. I just want attention. And they're open to it? Uh, Sometimes they are. Yeah. Some of them just tell me. Do you have a lot of guy friends? Yeah. And why do you think that is? Because it's more fun to be friends with guys. It is more fun. I have more friends. I have more guy friends too. I don't know if I have more guy friends than, or male friends than female friends boyfriends and girlfriends I don't know um but I do have a lot of close relationships with my guy friends hmm. why don't you date one of them it's a great question I don't think I could do you want to I don't think I do yeah I'd, I'd, people will ask me things like yeah. why don't you date Steven I'm like Ugh. yeah exactly <laughs> I'd rather kill myself no, honestly. <laughs> he's, just the, he's like my brother exactly 
And um, it's like, I don't want to date my brother. Everyone I don't makes have jokes about that. Mm-hmm. Like, me and one of my friends, they're like, you're going to end up with him. And I'm like, absolutely not. Like, like, I absolutely not. not. Do not want to do that. No. Um, thank you for sharing. Yeah, always sharing. Yeah. Well, I remember we talked a lot about um, mental health and how dating really affects that and how it like on yesterday's podcast, we talked about the difference between mental health and mental illness. Right. And we all have mental health. We all have mental health. Not all of us have a mental illness. And how does that really affect when we build relationships and intimate relationships with other people? Um, I think that for me, at least, it's like a reciprocity thing between the relationships and my mental health and illnesses. They definitely affect each other. So, like, I will be, I will come unhinged. Like, it will, like, certain dating things will spark the episodes and stuff. Mm. And if I'm in like a not baseline state, it'll also affect the dating and romantic parts of my life yeah. yeah and do you find yourself like not at baseline often or do you find yourself like when romantic when you're in romantic relationships or you're dating someone that they tend to steer you out of baseline um, does that make sense yeah, yeah yeah I'd say that like the relationship thing that I was in last year where I was like truly I was like head over heels for this guy I think that person what's the word like heightened my mm. episodes like when I was when I was like good with him I was like on top of the world I usually like kind of like it felt like it would spark um, the euphoric manic episodes but then like when he would like make me crash and burn more so than I would if I was just like having an episode like it would it, it made me chaotic so the highs were really high but then the lows became very very right, low as right, well right so that's intense um may i ask that he did he did he know that you had a diagnosis I don't, I don't know i don't remember if we ever talked about that like we talked about like sometimes i would be like <laughs> like can you come over i want attention i'm sad but i don't know if i ever told him like 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 yeah i'm textbook bipolar or anything like that no but maybe i think we talked about like mental health a little bit but I think it was more so like generic like yeah I get sad sometimes not like oh I am actually ill so do you disclose to partners or when do you disclose I if at all I think it depends on the partner I have a few times but like I either need to know that it's like so casual that it doesn't matter what I'm saying because I'm probably not going to see this person again or that it's going to lead to something and that it's worth telling this person. Mm. Well, you were saying that it depends on the relationship, right? Right. So how, who decides that? Do you decide that or do you guys both decide like, hey, I'm ready to move on and this is something that you need to know about me? Mm, I think I decide it. I don't think anybody's ever asked about it. I think I'd be kind of like thrown off if somebody asked about it like, hey, are you like mentally ill? Like, <laughs> that would throw me off a little bit. I know this is like a little unrelated, but that has happened. I've done. I've asked those questions. Of yeah. Dates because like I guess it's like because I'm an expert and people know. Like that you I'm see a it. Yeah, and like you can. What did you ask? 
I said, has anyone ever told you to go see a psychiatrist? Yeah, that's a bad thing to say on a date to yeah. all listeners. But he was hella open. I feel like I feel like when I go on dates and I start talking about like my work, people think that that's an open space for them to talk about their lives. I mean, that kind of makes that sense. Way. Is that bad? Should they not do that? I think there's like boundaries, right? So like right. you don't tell me all about your mommy issues on the first date. You wait till like at least the third or fourth. Yeah. A month in. And then but it happens up front and then I'm completely turned off and then I'm like, do I sleep with this person or not? Because Because yeah. I'm already here. I'm already here. I might as well not do it, right? So I just find myself in under, uncomfortable situations when people disclose. Well, you I were also, an oversharer, so you probably started I am an oversharer. I don't overshare in dates. <laughs> yeah. I don't believe that, Alexis. I think she does. I, I kind of don't believe it as well. But, <laughs> yeah. but it, it, okay, fine. Any consolation, I used to overshare, but now I've developed boundaries, and I don't tell people that I'm on, like, medications or I've had panic attacks or anything like that. I, I haven't even told the guy that I'm dating now that I experience anxiety. I'm sure he's figured it out. Oh, my God. Poor guy. <laughs> Poor guy. What snaps is that for creating boundaries? Yeah, it, it was really tough. It's, like, it's it's not easy because I have that – I have – so you, you want attention. I want attention, too, but I feel like I'm also – get overwhelmed easily. Mm -hmm. And then my mood changes so fast. So I go from like zero to 60 out of nowhere. And then it's like a, it's a long come down back to baseline for me. Right. But I've been working on it and I think it's changed, but I haven't approached dating. I get really, I think I experienced that other aspect of dating where I'm the therapist and people open up to me more than I can open up to them. And then it, when you open up to someone like they, if you don't provide room or space for that person to process anything, then they're not going to be able to continue the conversation. What, what does that mean? What do you mean? Like, so this guy, let me just tell you. So this guy was like, I need to tell you something. And it was like the first day. And I was like, please don't tell me what I would think I'm about to hear. And he's like, I think I'm bipolar. I was like, great. I knew it, but that's okay. Called it. And Nailed it. he was like, I just need you to know. And I was like, I don't even know you. Yeah. Like, I haven't really, like, gotten to know you. Right. And then he just went on and on about his manic episodes, where he's been, what he's done, how he, like, flew to New York one time. and That's relatable to me, but... Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> yes, okay. Yes, single, et cetera. Yeah. Oh, God, I would I Actually, I did go on a date with a guy who was also bipolar once, and he disclosed it, I think, on the second date. And I was like, this is not what I wanted to talk about right now. So did you open up after that? I did, but I also already at that point knew that I was like, I don't really need to see this guy again because he was boring. And also I was like, how is somebody... Because he's on so many medications. I was like, how is somebody who is bipolar and boring? Like... Yeah. It's the medications. uh, I'm not boring. (laughs) Are you on medication? I am. am. (laughs) But yeah, I was was like... Some medications are tougher than others. They bring a lot... They bring you back to instead of that baseline, they bring you even lower than baseline. Right, but I was like, yeah, I was like, you're too boring for me, so I don't really care. But then that was that kind of thing where I was like, well, I, to me, this is I don't think I'm gonna see you again, so I really don't care what you think about me or what I say. So you were open. Yeah. Are you more open when you don't care about what that if you're ever gonna see that person again? Oh, 100. Yeah. So how did it 
feel that he was like, oh, also I'm bipolar, and now you have something in common. Mm, the way he said it, I was kind of more, like, sympathetic to it because it seemed like he was, like, like it was hard for him to say that even though, like, he definitely did not need to say that when he said it. Like, nobody was asking for that. Um, but I, it, the way he said it made me think that he doesn't really tell people that a lot, so I try to be more sympathetic with it. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, even though I didn't really yeah. want to know that information, I was still like, oh, that's okay. I was once hooking up with a guy, and then he, we... I was, like, laying in his bed, and then he was like, hold on. I was like, okay. And he got up and sat next, like, on his nightstand and started putting his pills in his pill box. That's a lot. And I was like, this is too much for me. Was he geriatric? Was he in his 80s? Oh, he was the bipolar guy. Oh, wow. Okay. I did. Okay, this is another one. Not – it wasn't, like, an overshare. We were – I went on a date with, like, uh, a med student, but, like, already in residency. Like, Mm -hmm. he was – close to being doctor and in conversation like totally normal but just it happened naturally with the conversation it wasn't like I'm bipolar it was just like it happened you know mm-hmm. and it came out that I also am diagnosed um borderline personality just with borderline personality disorder and somehow that came up it, it really was natural it wasn't just like I blurted it out like this other guy and he goes mind you doctor he goes, oh, so you're diagnosed fun. Oh, <gasps> and I was like, and he shredded on a guitar. Exactly. You know that that explains the attention thing. The BPD. Does it? Yeah, absolutely. See, this is where the the degree comes into play. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, there's a lot of they say they say they say experts say, I say I used to work with a lot of people with borderline personality, and. Um, it almost feels like they might be taking out of the energy out of you. I've never felt that way about you, though. I've gotten um, mixed reviews from, like, my doctor is, like, oh, 100%. Another doctor was, like, I see the signs, but I don't want to fully diagnose you. And then a different doctor was, like, 100%. Yeah. But my therapist, like, my, my go-to girl, like, the one, you know, she she says that she doesn't really see the signs either. So I'm, like, hmm. Interesting. Because one one of the aspects for me when I diagnose B- borderline is that that person is sucking the energy out of me, and it makes me feel like I'm on a roller coaster with them. Interesting, right? So they take you on a roller coaster ride. So that's all, you can also relate to in terms of like bipolar disorder. Um, I got this from a mentor of mine. Um, this metaphor I suppose um, of how to handle that and it's like you ride people ride their own emotional roller coasters like you'll ride yours I'll ride mine Steven will probably have a very slow ride and like going up and down but the point is is not to get on anyone else's ride but continue validating them and watching them ride the ride and going through the motions you validate their bipolar episodes yeah you validate their feelings I mean yeah like episodes are they're they're natural. They're part of it. They're part of it. You're supposed to try to, like, even out the episodes. Um, also that, and that's, like, what I'm saying with that other guy that I was dating last year. Like, he did not level me out in any means. He just made it higher and lower. So don't validate it, like, by making it worse, but, like, acknowledge that it's happening. So you it doesn't validate feel like, something yeah. without approving of the action or the behavior. You can continue being a validating and creating a validating environment. Mm, okay. DBT talks about that, dialectical behavioral therapy. Have you heard of that? Yeah. I was originally looking for a therapist that specialized in that, but um, 
my girl was like the only one who had availability and I had been looking for a new therapist for like a month so I was just like I gotta jump on this and just yeah. take somebody if you ever get the opportunity if you find someone that specializes in DBT it's a great I love DBT I specialize in it but they talk about how you have to create a validating environment for people in order to live a happy healthy life worth living so if you don't if you're not in a validating apart, uh, depart, department if you're not in a validating environment then your symptoms or your feelings, your thoughts and emotions will be more explosive Mm -hmm. because there's no one there to kind of, because there's nothing there to kind of bring them down and to feel like you're in a safe place, to experience the emotions that you're feeling. DBT doesn't take the emotions away from you. It doesn't change the emotions for you. It lets you feel them how they are, as extensive as they are, without changing them. And that's where you get the power. To do what? To heal. Fly. Yeah, to live. Fly. Oh, okay. Yeah. We talked about dialectic, uh, whatever, it was last time. It's the and one, right? Yeah, it's the and one. So you change, dialect means two, you change buts to and, and you create a, create a more empowering environment for you. Like instead of you're a pain in my butt, it's a, you're a pain in my and. No, it's right? your... A pain in my ass, and I still love you. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe I should get on that. What polar disorder? Um, I was a, I want to say officially it was the end of like college, because I didn't actually go seek help until I was a senior in college, mm. and you probably know this, but bipolar is like a tricky one to diagnose. They like mm. are cautious with it. Um, so at first I was getting medicated for severe depression and general anxiety and whatnot, and it just wasn't working and the medications just made me feel terrible. Um, but then I got put on bipolar medication at the end of college for sure. I'm not sure if that doctor actually diagnosed me officially. I think she did or else why would she put me on the medication? For fun. For fun. Yeah. Um, but I know for sure my doc, the doc, the psychiatrist that I found once I graduated and came back here, um, diagnosed me. So that would have been either like May of 2018 or like January of 2019 was when the official first diagnosis. So this is a very recent diagnosis. Yeah, fairly. Yeah. Yeah. How long does that take to get diagnosed with that? Um, well, I started like seek, trying to seek help when I was in a senior in college, so that would have been 2017. I probably first time was like, I need to do something about this, and it took her. If she was the one that actually first officially diagnosed me, which I'm still not sure, um, that would have been a whole like school year. Is that normal, Zara, or do you like when you have a client, do you diagnose them right away? You're I like, diagnose them right away. Like, easy. Easy peasy. No, I diagnose them right away because of billing. Not because of necessarily that <laughs> I need to, know. to diagnose them. No, I mean, that's the honest truth. And I think that when I used to work at DCFS, a lot of our younger kids had a bipolar diagnosis. And I was very, it really bothered me giving kids that diagnosis because it's like a la- like a big label on them. Right. But you get paid more if you diagnose them quicker. It's all about billing, capitalism. Yeah. I, I don't know about the pay. I don't know if you get paid more or less for specific diagnoses. I don't think so. But you have to diagnose them in order to provide them services. And you have to prove, you have to use an assessment to prove that they need those services. So if like Alexis came into my program and she was like 18, 
and I talked to her about whatever was going on. I diagnosed her with whatever it would be, and then I can start the services and I can provide treatment. That's how it works. Do you ever send someone away and you're just like you're fine? Yeah. Interesting. Or they don't, or we can't provide the services that they might need. Huh. That would hurt my validation thing so much. Yeah. If they sent me like, away. Okay, it's all in I, have, yeah. I have a little girl who she's, I think she's 12 and she's been asking for help for years. Like she's like, I'm, I want to kill myself. I'm, I don't know what to do. And so she came up to me in the middle of the street and was like, you're helping my friend. Can you help me too? And then I had to put her off on the back burner for a month because she doesn't have the right insurance. So That's terrible. now we're enrolling her into a different program so that she can get the right and so I can give her the right insurance and then once she gets the right insurance we can get her a therapist. Um, but the same thing's happening with my sixteen year old sister. She wants therapy and there's no no providers right now. Especially with COVID. It's yeah. very tough to find a therapist. Hmm. Did you want to plug your business right now? I'm not I know. Are you a therapist on your own? No, oh. I'm not. I work for an or uh, for a nonprofit. Oh, okay. Yeah. So no, I do not want to plug that in. Um, I'm just, <laughs> just trying to get her clients. <laughs> Client, but you can yeah, I, you can I hit me up. CPS. I'll do it. You'll do what? Be the therapist. Oh yeah. I'll take on clients. Yeah. How would you do therapy? Uh, billing wise through Venmo. <laughs> <laughs> but then okay. I'll probably just do what you do. I just throw a bunch of buzzwords and confuse them. I could mm. see like you doing like that old school Hollywood type therapy where somebody's sitting on like a, a chase chair. Like an armchair? Yeah. And I have a notebook. Like, like hand on their forehead and, and you're just like, like saying. distressed housewife yeah. and I sleep with them. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'd do that. It kind of goes inside with the, um, coincides with your ser- serial killer vibe. So. <laughs> cool. cool. Any other questions <laughs> for Alexis? You were telling us about a Colorado trip you just took recently. Can you tell me a little bit more? Oh, yeah. Full manic episode. Just fled the state for a little bit. Yeah. So um, you were saying that you recognize your manic mania before it happens. Can you tell me what that means? Sometimes. Like, sometimes I will not, like, be in that. I, I know I have, like, two different kinds of manic episodes. I have the ones where it's, like, fully just, like, destructive, angry, irritable, um, doing a lot of things that are not constructive to my well-being. Um, those are a lot of the, the bad impulses and whatnot. But then I'll also have the ones where I'm like... Power I, productive. Power productive. I'm like, oh, like, yeah, I can go to law school by just applying right now with my bachelor's degree in communication studies. Like, of course I'm going to get into Northwestern with that. Um, like, really full of myself, like... I also, sometimes I like those because, like, I feel like I'm the baddest bitch around, and I will do things that I wouldn't normally do, but, and they're fun, and they're good. Are they safe always? Maybe not, but I, I have fled the state multiple times just to, like, because I'm in one of those episodes. So you got diagnosed in 2018. Did it help, help you understand yourself better with... I think so. Yeah, I think it was, like, a... A relief when somebody told me like this is not normal what you're experiencing though other people do experience it because like like I said like I fled the state like I, I started doing that when I was like 17 18 just like leaving well, road trips are fun road trips are fun but a little a little intense when you're like driving across the country by yourself in the middle of the night with absolutely nowhere to stay or direction but they're fun they're fun, they're fun. <laughs> 
Have you ever done anything like that, like a road trip, like unplanned? Unplanned? Or? No, I guess not. Or something. But I have thought not. about it. Like you just, yeah, it'd be fun to go drive for a while. It'd be calming. I guess I just I have the initiative that you have. Yeah, but like what you're saying about like the feeling it, like sometimes, um, I will be like driving and then all of a sudden like I don't feel like I am in control of the car like I'll feel like I'm like watching myself like this is a movie or I feel like I'm not my feet aren't actually pushing the pedals and I'm actually like sitting on the floor of the highway and just like traveling with the car Mm. it's very weird disassociated yeah I don't really like it but like I know if I like felt that thing then something might be coming for me like I might have a big wave coming for me do you see your depression episodes as, as the same as you might see your manic episodes? No. Those just come. Can you define manic for everyone? In your own way. I life. don't think I know the definition to that word. Can you, Zara? Yeah, so manic would be that high energy. Um, a lot of people experience euphoria, irritability. Um, it lasts for like two to three days, depending on the diagnoses. Because yeah. there's bipolar one, then there's bipolar two. Bipolar two has hypomania. I don't know which one I am. I don't know either. I need more information. Um, but if you're di- if you're just you're probably just bipolar one because hypomania lasts will probably cause a lot more hospitalizations. I think. Okay. Because hypomania is like more intense and it's quicker and it's shorter, and that's where people go a little crazy. A little, yeah, like a little intense, like a lot more intense. Right. Where mania lasts for a little bit longer, and you can like really have that productivity. Yeah, there. I'd say on like average, it's like a two or three days didn't sometimes it can be more sometimes it can be less but probably. yeah depending on your mood probably right, depending on right. the, the things that you eat the people you're around right how validating your environment is that week and the guy that i'm dating the guy that you're dating <laughs> yeah so do you think that like your dating life kind of changed when you got this diagnosis mm, no but things kind of made sense to me mm. um i wouldn't say it changed i think medicating and constant therapy changed it a little bit. Um, I started kind of, like, valuing myself more. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like how you rolled your eyes by saying that. Because uh, I still don't think I'm fully there. I still think I do a lot of stupid things just for the attention and validation. But I am trying to do dumb things less. Good. Yeah, that's a good start. Have you thought about doing that, Zara? I don't do that many dumb things, do I? You have something to say. He's kind of looking at me like he we're disagrees. We're break, right? I think we have to take a break. No, uh, we're going to keep okay. going because you're just insulting me. Cool. <coughs> what are some of the dumb things that you've done? Oh, my God. Um, besides, like, yeah, fleeing, I would, pre-being a virgin again, uh, sleep with way too many people in a short amount of time who I did not like, did not find attractive, did not find... Um, to be even like good people just for the attention and validation no not even validation like or I guess it was partially validate validating because um, I have a lot of like self-esteem body ish, like body image things going on and so like I definitely like hypersexualized myself yeah in order to feel good even though it also made me feel very bad most of the time. Yeah, was the bad comes after. Right. Like and the regrets. The downfall. Right, yeah. And, like, I have turned that into part of my, like, brand, I guess you could say. Like, I joke about it a lot. I talk about it with my friends a lot. 
And it's kind of just like, oh, like she's just like that part of our group. Mm. And like I'm fully okay with like taking that role and like kind of like developing a character around it. But I know like part of it is just because I'm trying to get validation. And it's low-key a little sad. But like, Why do you think it's sad? Because you, you say it in such a negative way. I get that hypersexuality isn't the best thing or it's not the safest thing for people, but you're saying validation in a very negative connotation. Be- I think because I would seek it out from people that I didn't need to seek it out from and put uh-huh. myself in bad situations or not not bad situations, but just like not ideal situations just to get that little boost. Yeah. I can definitely relate. I feel like I find myself talking to men that I'm not very interested in or like I'm on the dating apps and scrolling up across just to feel something. Yeah, no, I literally went through Hinge on Thursday, I want to say, and just cleared my likes. And it was like 150 people just like <laughs> sliding through them. I think I matched with 10. So like I, I truly did not care about anything <laughs> that was going on. 150? And then she only matched with 10 guys. <sighs> Gentlemen, get it together. I read the bios, Stephen. So oh, do they? Do women really read the bios? I read, I read the bios. bios. I gotta change mine. I think I just so want to. What does your bio say? It's a bio, probably some dumb joke. Well, that's what I kind of look for. I want to see if they're funny. Because if they're not funny, I do not care about them. Okay. You're you're funny, Stephen. Oh, thanks. Sometimes. No, no, On stage. On stage. On <laughs> stage. Not on the dating apps. I I can see that happening. I can see you being a little dry there. Yeah. Some people get. Yeah, again, serial killer vibe. Yeah. Have you seen the photo that he posted? Probably. Can you, can we see your dating profile? Oh, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that segment. No, well, I don't know. Talk amongst yourselves. Let me see what's on here. I'm excited. Which one? Whichever one you get the most matches on. I don't get matches on any of them. I don't know if you've ever used an app as a man, but you don't get 150 matches overnight. It wasn't overnight. I let it sit there for like a while. I kind of, I'm kind of curious on how many matches I have on Hinge right now. I haven't been on Hinge in a while. Let's see. I guess cumulatively, or you have 150 matches on Tinder. Cumulatively. Hell yeah! Look at you go. I think that's like seven years. It just says 50 plus, so I don't know how many. Did it take you seven years to get 150 matches? No. No. I think it probably took me like a week. Wow. Yeah, see, my bio just says I hate it here. <laughs> I've tweeted that multiple times. It's a very relatable statement. I mean, it's just pictures of me. Can I see the pictures? Yeah, you've seen pictures of me. This is a... Do you guys understand what a podcast is? You can't do visual stuff on a podcast. But yeah, you can look at pictures on the podcast. <laughs> see? Do you see what I'm saying? This is what I look like. <laughs> The photos of Stephen also give off huge serial killer vibes. Just so our listeners know. I have to put up with this. <laughs> I'm very baseline. Home. That's what I should change my bio to. I think you are. I'm baseline. baseline. Yeah. Baseline. And then the girls who know what baseline means are, are the crazy. smart ones. Oh. Yeah, no, and honestly, probably like, are crazy. <laughs> we I know both what know what baseline means. <laughs> Exhibit A and B. Right. That was warranted. <laughs> what is your baseline? Um, I, it's hard to recognize because I think I'm very small, like little. Yeah. Um, but I think it's just like when I don't feel 
extreme and I feel extreme a lot. Yeah. Like, me, my baseline feels like a Tuesday, you know, just like, you're not bummed, it's not Monday, you're not like, have the Sunday scaries or whatever, but it's not, it's not Friday. That's it's a not really Saturday. beautiful way of explaining. That's a very beautiful way of explaining. I'm a writer. Are you? No, I want to be though. Okay. <laughs> How would you define baseline as a professional? So baseline would be you where your na- scaries. The Sunday scaries. Baseline would be where your normal behaviors are. I don't know how to explain baseline. It's just this is another. I, I think it's the time when I don't, don't feel mentally ill. I know what these words mean, guys. I just don't know how to explain them. Okay. So I'm gonna work on that this week. I'm gonna work on it. I'm gonna go back to my DSM and start studying a little bit for you. Okay. But baseline, it's normal. It's how you're feeling uh, just yeah. in the middle of the road, right? So if you if you think of like a volcano, or if you think like of, of water, <laughs> right? Stupid. Yeah. So you see the iceberg, right? You think of a big big old iceberg, yeah. and it goes up, and then it, there's water in the middle, and then there's iceberg at the bottom too, right? Yeah. There's rock at the bottom. Baseline is at water level, so you're calm, cool, collected throughout, and then you go up. Up is mania, and then you shoot down, and then you fall under the water, which would be the depression. So if you look at it in a, like a rating scale from 1 to 10, 10 being mania, zero or 1 being nothing, baseline will be at a 4, 5, or 6. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. I yeah. Mean, that was the lamest definition. On a scale from 1 to 10, baseline is 5. <laughs> Thanks for clearing that up. I def- defined 1 and 10 as ma- mania and depression, right? Okay. But with the iceberg, is it important that the uh, the top doesn't go up as much as the bottom goes down? Yeah, because it's in like an 80-20 split. Yeah. Have you ever seen an iceberg? It's like bigger on the bottom. Then maybe someone's depression is a little bit like, bigger and harder to deal with. I thought that was the... Pr- is that the point you're making? Where like the depression... I can, can kind of see that. I can... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah, yeah. Thank you, no. Alexis. <laughs> cool. I can, I can kind of say that my depression is probably worse than... My mania. Right. episodes. I, sometimes. Actually, it. sometimes. I don't know. Right. Well, it, mania can be very productive. Do you feel productive when you're manic sometimes? I think sometimes. It depends on, like, which way I'm going with it. There's really, it's like, when I get there, it's, there's two ways to go. And whichever way we go, we're going to ride it out. Do you have to choose or do you really Nope. Just I have no idea. Yeah. Do you have physical symptoms as well? Yeah. Um, I start to feel, like, very jittery. And this, this is another kind of the thing, like, where I can kind of tell it coming on. And sometimes I just, like, fully give into it. And sometimes I'm, like, trying to stop it mm. um, with, like, mindfulness stuff and grounding things and whatnot. Um, but I feel restless. Restless. Um, I feel like I just, like, drink a ton of coffee for the entire time. Like, super jittery. No, like, super jittery, super, like, um, go, go, go mode. Sometimes I feel like I'm even, like, talking fast. Or, like, like the world is, like, going faster. Um, and then I have, like, the things, like I said, where I was, like, I don't feel like I'm in control of, like, what's happening. Or I, like, I'm, it feels like I'm not, it's, like, out-of-body experiences. It's very interesting. Mm. I don't really know how to describe it. And I feel like I, I sound absolutely insane to people that don't understand this. But I don't think you sound insane at all. I think people experience that mania or people without mental illness can feel that mania as well, but they don't, the word I'm about to use is a little intense, but like they don't suffer through it. <laughs> wow. 
Yeah, can we bleep that out? You know what I mean, though? Kind of. Like, because, like, mental illness is, like, so negative, right? Right. And so, like, people, like, that's why I'm saying that it's, like, productive sometimes. Yeah, it's just like you drink a bunch of coffee, it sounds like. I think with the, um, quote-unquote, for lack of a better word, good manic episodes, yeah. But for the bad ones, no. Yeah. Because people don't quite understand where it comes from and where you I don't, get all I don't this understand energy it at all. From, right? I think it's like it's like a, a massive amount of energy in someone's body that they don't know how to channel. And then, and then emotions get caught up and then thoughts start rolling in and then the feelings yeah. settle and then you're down the path and you're like on right. a roller coaster. Yeah. That makes sense. I can agree with that. It's like excessive energy. Yeah, we we will send you an invoice after the episode. Thank you. This is um, a therapy session. Yeah, do you want to do you want my insurance information, (laughs) or should I just Venmo you? Venmo Stevens. Yeah, Yeah. Venmo Stevens. He's the therapist here. We should plug my Venmo. We should also plug her Twitter. Yeah, what's your Twitter? Your Twitter is so funny. If you Um, want to experience the roller coaster in text form, in 140 characters or less, uh, my Twitter is at Banda Make Her Dance, but it's spelled. B-A-N-D-A-M-A-K-H-R. I thought it was PBR Princess. Yeah, I that's that that's my that. name. That's not the oh, handle. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's also PBR Princess, though. If you look that up, I'm sure there's not too many other people that you could find. Follower. Follower. She's so funny. I'm funny. On Twitter. So do you, um, how do you create boundaries with partners? Mm, I try not to overshare uh, quickly. I think I'm a little bit better about not doing that with the people that I think there's potential with. Um, and like right now with the guy that I'm like kind of dating, I probably could hook up with him and whatnot. Or I definitely could if I wanted to. But I'm I'm setting that boundary because I do not think it's going anywhere and I don't. I, I feel like that could be a gateway of me being really stupid with stuff mm. during COVID. You know? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm like setting that boundary for myself to just like try and protect what could be the aftermath. Yeah. Well, how do you, how do you cope with your mania and like say that you're, oh, have you ever seen the, sorry, I'm a little sidetracked. Have you ever seen the show Modern Love? No, but it's on my list. It's very good. So there's an episode with Anne Hathaway, and she, without ruining the episode, it, she talks about bipolar disorder, right? And so you watch her go through an episode of dating and what that looks like. Um, so I'd love for you to watch it and then tell me how you, what you think. But what is, like, what happens, like, if you're having a manic episode and you have, like, a date coming up or you have, like, a, a, a commitment? Um, if it's the good kind, honestly, I'll probably be more fun and entertaining on the date. Um, but I also probably will be a little bit more reckless in terms of, um, if we were going to a bar, I'm, there's a risk that I'm going to drink too much. If we, or like, if we remotely click, I'm going to probably want to sleep with that person. And even though it's probably not the smartest thing to do, or it could not be the smartest thing to do, um, I'll let that like feeling of euphoria 
impede what I really think of the person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I'll be like, this was the best date ever, blah, blah, blah. But it, it's really not. That was just like my state. I wasn't at baseline, so the date wasn't at baseline. I can't really compare it to other things. Interesting. Do you, have you had dates at baseline? Yeah. And do you find them to be fun? Yeah. I th- they'll be fun, but like, it's different. It's, it's what I imagine normal people are like. <laughs> Definition normal. I don't is know if boring? there's normal. No, not boring. I, unless it's like the guy that is also bipolar that was so boring. I just don't understand that. I still don't get it. But no. I wonder. He's probably on like lithium. I, I feel like I. <laughs> I know this guy. We never met him. I think, yeah, he, I think he might have been actually. I think he told me that. Right, right. Yeah. Because lithium is, takes a lot of energy out of me. Right. They never really put me on that. It really makes you like groggy and low and yeah i'd be i'd be yeah, pissed if somebody put me that i would i could see that lithium? maybe i definitely feel like it yeah <laughs> i was put on lithium and it was awful i went to the hospital for heart related issues and they took me off lithium then yeah i like i don't know why they've never it. tried it with me and i'm pretty glad about that i don't think i would do well on it How do yeah. you, is it like what's in batteries lithium batteries i think so is it like battery? Why is it a double battery? Well, you pressure? have to get is it like battery it, juice. It's not battery juice. Well, it's, Except it drains the energy out of you. Like it's it a, does, yeah. But you have to get blood work every like few weeks when you're on lithium to make sure your lithium levels and your blood are okay. Maybe that's why they didn't put me on it. They know I wouldn't do that. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. That's like an old school med. It's like no one really uses it besides the jails. God. Cool, yeah. You're you really know what's fun? What is really fun is like when I got put on medications, the same medications that my clients in prison were put on. Right. And I'm like, oh, we're all the same. We're all the same people. Well, yeah. We all have the same Insurance, brain. yeah. It's same insurance. Yeah. Do you want to do the last question and then do a wrap-up after the question? You got five, six minutes. Cool. So can you tell us about some of your coping skills? I don't know them. So yeah. It's like she drives across country. Yeah, no, honestly, I feel like a... That sounds like self-care. A car... Car is... They're really good or bad for me. Because sometimes when I'm in those, like, zones, I, I just in, like, the whole drive, like, I could easily just pull this wheel. I could easily just, like, not... I can just, like, drive into the other car. Like, it doesn't seem like it matters at that point. Because I'm like, oh, this is just, like, a fake trip. Like, I, I don't know what's going on. Um, but also like, yeah, that was one of my earliest coping skills when I was still in high school, even just to like get in the car and drive around for hours. And at that point it would just be like, I don't know, to like Tinley Park, you know, just like South enough. Yeah. Um, but now I still kind of do it sometimes, but usually, yeah, it's more like driving across the country for no reason. How do you cope like at work? Like if you feel any type of way? What are some things that you might do for yourself? I try to do grounding things if I'm really feeling um, intense in a place that I shouldn't feel intense or a situation that it's not going to be good if I, like, actually let those emotions show. Um, A lot of, like, physical ones in terms of, like, hand squeezing. I try not to do, like, hair pulling or arm scratching because it feels like that could be a little, like, slippery slope. But, yeah, I just, like, hand squeezing, um, ice melting, stuff like that. Oh, yeah, I love the ice melting. Do you remember that from our videos? Is that like when there's ice in the urinal and you pee on it? Right, yeah. in the pee bucket. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly not it. 
But it's like being mindful, like watching the ice melt and like feeling it melt and being open. Oh yeah, we made a video about that. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to watch. Do you really watch ice melt? So I'm, no, I just hold it in my hand because like honestly, sometimes if I'm really, I I will go like numb sometimes. Like I've been, I do not feel anything. Like one of the times when I was just like scratching my arms to like try and like come down, I did not feel any of the physical sensation. And I was just like and you were doing, craving it. and I was doing literally anything to just like I was I was doing the ice thing, and I could like see it melting in my hand, but I did not feel like the cold. Wow, it's weird. This is cool. Is it because I remember when you told me the ice thing, I was like, no one does that shit. I like, this isn't it. real. I do that shit. It's like you guys are part Thank of the same Thank you, Stephen, cold. for not validating. Well, I was I don't I, yeah, I guess other people do it. Yeah, I found it on Google. Stop telling people you find this stuff on Google. I didn't come up with it. I'm not going to take credit for it. Um, another really good one is like if you drink hot water or really, really cold water. I've heard that one. And I haven't tried that like, really. Let yeah. it like feel, try and note how it feels when mm-hmm. And just let it, and then the body, it the heat, if you drink like a hot tea or a hot coffee, then the heat will calm you down as well, or in the opposite. One thing I like to do at the club is like when I'm feeling it, just stand at the, in the club. cooler. <laughs> stand in the cooler. In the walk-in freezer? Actually, yeah. no, I've done that sometimes, too. <laughs> yeah, because sometimes you just need a minute, and you just need to sit. Like, the body just needs to stop, and then going into the cold, the body stops. It slows down, and then you can catch your breath again, and you can start breathing deeper. I'll also sometimes go into the, the cooler if uh, I just need to scream because of yeah. a frustrated person. Really? Frustrating okay. person. I, guess I don't think I'm alone in that. I feel like most people who have worked in restaurants or bars can relate to that yeah i used to like when i used to work at a gas station they used to like send me to bag ice because it was like by myself i could scream i could be loud i could do whatever i wanted and it just it calmed you down wow all right the more you know cool i don't know if steven experiences anger i do you feel angry not really we're back to the serial killer (laughs) let's wrap it up Let's wrap it up, guys. <laughs> Thank you, Alexis. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing and being so open. It's so nice and refreshing to to hear a woman that has gone through some shit and can really empower herself. I just try to, like, go through life with a lot of laughter. Yeah. And you're that fun. so and corny. But, yeah, no, I just, like, I don't know. We all go through. Yeah, live, laugh, love. I have it tattooed across my chest. Really? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think I am? Come on, Zara. I did. You said it. I thought that. You... Uh, yeah, no, but I'm just like we all go through shit. Like, why not laugh about it? Yeah. Plus, like, I know I'm stupid, so it just makes sense to laugh about it. Sometimes you just gotta tee it off. Yeah. Is it easier for you to, like, let go of stuff once you've accepted your actions for as they are? Yes. Yeah, same. Especially, I'm like, well, I made that mistake. I got to laugh about it now. Like, or else it's just going to harbor and you're going to feel shitty about it for the rest yeah. of the Yeah, and why spend time on guilt and shame when exactly. you don't need to? I don't want you to ever feel guilty or shameful. Same with you. Really? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. I Do you, you feel guilt? I don't know. <laughs> just answer questions as expediently as possible. Thank you again. Yeah, it's of course. It's a pleasure. Steven, you've been good, too. Thanks. Thank you for joining us. Of course. Thank you to Tyler. Yeah, Tyler's been helping us out, getting these episodes up. Um, 
we're going to plan the next episode. I'm really excited for you guys to hear all the things that we are working on and how we're going to really expand this podcast. Yeah, I can't wait to hear this too. Steven, you're stressing me out. All right, bye. Alright, cool. There you go. Cool. Was You're that, so open. I love it. Was that good? Yeah, you did a really good job. I did I did a good job. I think Stephen was the best. I think so. Mm-hmm. That was more fun than the one we did just by ourselves. I didn't have to talk as much. <laughs>